0: But first, extreme weather. As I'm sure you've noticed, it's on the rise here in Illinois. Three straight days of storms in the Chicago area. Heavy rain and flooding wasn't just dangerous for drivers, homeowners around the Chicago area are cleaning up a big mess tonight. Trees were brought down by these heavy storms and powerful winds. Homes throughout Elgin are surrounded by mounds of branches and debris left behind after a pair of tornadoes with winds up to 100 miles per hour tore through the northwest suburb. That is
1: not fog, those aren't clouds. That is smoky haze all caused by the Canadian wildfires.
0: Those are just a few recent headlines from our area. Climate change means events like these are likely to happen more often, and that's having an impact on one of Illinois' biggest industries, farming. Meanwhile, some of the farming practices used in the state make crops more vulnerable when the weather takes a turn. So joining us now with more is freelance journalist Zachary Nuff. Zachary, welcome to Reset.
1: Hi, Sasha. Delighted to be with you.
0: So before we get into how farmers are adapting to climate change, Zach, let's talk first about how farming contributes to climate change. So what can you tell us about that?
1: Well, the US EPA estimates that uh, agriculture contributes about 10 percent to global warming. But most of that really comes from livestock. And as you know, in Illinois, livestock is not the largest agricultural sector. It's really corn and soybeans.
0: Yeah, um, some of the industrial farming practices used around the, the country can make crops more vulnerable, as I mentioned. This is when climate change leads to extreme weather, right?
1: That's right. And some of the practices that uh, do lead to global warming and can contribute are you know, the use of uh, heavy use of fertilizers. So they use nitrogen, they use uh, phosphorus to add to the soil. Uh, and also when you plow up the field or till it, uh, you're releasing um, nutrients, you're releasing carbon into the atmosphere. And then, of course, you're also facing soil erosion that can be washed away by heavy rains or can be blown away, as we saw with the dust storms that uh, caused so many accidents and death on I-55. Yeah,
0: some farmers, they're they're making changes to be, quote, climate smart, uh, which can include practicing what's known as regenerative agriculture. Can you explain what that is, Zach? Yeah,
1: I mean, those terms haven't really hit Central Illinois uh, too heavily yet, but there, are, I was surprised by the number of farmers that are using some sort of conservation practices. And uh, no-till or, medi- or low-till agriculture has been used for many, many years. Um, that is, instead of plowing up your entire field every time you're gonna plant corn or soybeans, uh, you would till a much smaller strip of area, you would go much less deep. And they actually have uh, planting machines that will deposit the seed uh, in just a very small area uh, that, you, that you plow up. So they were already adopting uh, much less tilling and th- so that's releasing less carbon and it's causing less erosion. Uh, another practice that uh, people probably heard of is called cover crops. So cover crops is where you grow some sort of winter crop during that time after you've harvested the corn or soybeans in Mm -hmm. the fall, because otherwise you'd have five or six months of bare soil, and that's when the problems with erosion really occur. So planting a wheat crop or even something like a radish crop uh, that can live over the winter and then start growing again in the spring, uh, that's something that can uh, prevent erosion. It Mm -hmm. can actually store carbon, uh, and also increase the nutrients in the soil.
0: And and as you said um it, the climate smart practices they're not quite catching on that quickly in Illinois. No,
1: no it, there, there's less than 5% of farmers in Illinois who use cover crops right. now there were now there were some people that have started to plant wheat which is a winter cover crop essentially and they've actually been able to sell it because of the Unfortunately, the war in the Ukraine has created a market for for wheat. So that's something we're seeing a little bit more of. But cover cropping is not widely used. Many farmers describe it as very tricky. Mm-hmm. And they're very worried about reducing the yields of their main cash crops, corn and soybeans. So they're still trying it out, many on a trial basis. I think the one farmer, Jake Leeb, in central Illinois was using it on 600 acres and then Michelle Carr, another farmer, a young farmer there yeah. um, in Central Illinois, was using it on up to 35 or 40 percent of her land. Is, you know, she said she'd like to get up to do cover crops on all of it, but economically, it's not feasible yet.
0: Right. Yeah, Michelle Carr. Uh, when you talked with her, she she talked about uh, taking over her family farm right before one of the worst droughts in in <sighs> Illinois history. Right.
1: I mean, what a challenge that was for her. I mean, she's been learning the learning the farming business from her uncle, and when the first year she takes over, we have one of the most severe droughts uh, that we've ever had in Illinois. Fortunately, we did get some rains, and they got some rains down there as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and she she was also got her crop in early enough because she was so so careful in planning everything out that uh, she didn't really have any problems.
0: Right, and so with with not that many farmers uh, taking on uh, this approach, I mean, cover crops, not only is it tricky, as you mentioned, to manage, there's a cost factor,
1: isn't there? There is a cost factor. They have to run the tractor over again and plant uh, the cover crop. Um, Again, technology is helping because Michelle bought – a, a uh, machine that will plant uh, more precisely. They used to just kind of fly over and, and drop the seeds aerially, and that's not that didn't work very well for a lot of farmers. So they're trying to use technology to, to plant the cover crop, to use less fuel and use less fertilizer in doing that. That's a technique called nutrient management. So I think if you look back 20 30 years ago they're using far less fertilizer than they were you know before they would just pour it over the entire field now you know it, it's to their benefit it's in their self-interest to use less fertilizer because of the cost of it and then also then that's less fertilizer that's going to be released into the atmosphere mm-hmm. and to wash into our waterways
0: you mentioned jake lieb earlier uh, he took over his father's bison herd with his brother uh, but you write that they felt that that was too unpredictable. Why? What did they do instead?
1: Yeah, you know, a lot of these farmers like Jake Leave and Michelle Carr, they're so interesting, these young farmers. Some of them went to college. They're willing to try new things. You know, they're really interested in data and, and technology and getting the most out of their their farming and having the least impact uh, on the environment. They really are thinking about that. So Jake Leave had a, uh, a bison herd that his father began Um partly to, you know, graze uh, farmland that wasn't as productive. And they w- ended up selling the bison meat and people were uh, loving uh, mm. buying the bison meat. And so uh, they've got young kids now and the bison are a little bit cantankerous. And so uh, it, it's dangerous for them to be around them. So the 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 uh, herd that they have of cattle now is a little bit more docile.
0: What else can you tell us about some of the, the other farmers that you, you spoke to and, and- what their situations reveal about how climate change and extreme weather are just really forcing them to adapt. I know you talked to to Jared and Robert as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, they're very concerned and because obviously climate change is affecting them. These heavy, heavy storms, uh, a lot of the water runs off. It doesn't soak in. It takes the soil with it. It takes fertilizer with it. Uh, Then they go through a drought. So they're they're on the front lines of dealing with climate change. And I think they're starting to understand more and more uh, how they can contribute to reducing global warming and implement practices that are going to be helpful for the environment. So there are so many different practices that I heard about. Mm -hmm. Many people have put in grass waterways in their fields. So when we do get those big storms, it doesn't take the soil with it. Uh, And you'll see those as you drive down the highway. If you look into a cornfield or a beanfield, you'll see just a grass strip, maybe, you know, 50, 100 feet wide. Then that's been put in with USDA assistance uh, as a conservation project. Uh, on hilly ground, they might use terraces to prevent erosion. And then there was a really interesting thing that one farmer had called a wood chip bioreactor. So they actually bury wood chips in the ground, chips that they get from the power company when they have to cut down trees. and those wood the water flows through the wood chips, and actually the bacteria eat the nitrogen. So wow. the nitrogen they they can clean up at least half of it. so, That eliminates that going into the waterways or releasing into the atmosphere.
0: Zachary Nuff is a freelance reporter. Thank you so much for sharing that story.